Wow. What a blessing this morning it's been already. It's the second time I've been through this. So uh, I'm an emotional wreck this morning. <clears throat> From all the things that God has been doing uh, and what creative talent we have in this area uh, that God is using in tremendous ways. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you are not through with your Christmas shopping yet? Not through. Raise your hands. I just want to know who to pray for. (laughs) I mean, really. I mean, if you guys hadn't finished your Christmas shopping, you need to be prayed for. Either a procrastinator or uh, you have really somebody difficult on your list. You don't know what to buy. Maybe something like that. Okay, that was one question. Okay, that was question number one. Question number two is this. What is Christmas all about? What's Christmas all about? One word answer. Okay, Jesus, thank you. Yes, it's not, yeah, it's not about all the other stuff. It's about Jesus. It's about celebrating the birthday of Jesus Christ, of God coming into the world. Now, you talk about hard to buy for. Can you imagine trying to buy for Jesus? Because, you know, what do you buy for somebody who has everything, who actually has created the world? Uh, but this morning we want to talk about the whole thing of what is the one gift that Jesus wants from you that only you can give. And that is one thing, it's called your worship. Your worship. The one thing that you can give that only, that only, the one thing that what Jesus wants that only you can give is your worship. And the reason I know that is because it says it, and you've already read the scripture already, I believe there was, man, I just appreciate all the folks who uh, shared this morning in so many ways. But in Matthew chapter 2, it says this, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw a star in the east and have come to do what? To worship him, to worship him. Now, tradition tells us there were how many wise men? How many? Tradition. Come on, I know this is not a hard three, okay? Tradition tells us that, okay? But Scripture does not tell us how many there was because Scripture just simply says there were three gifts. There were three gifts. There was gold, incense, and myrrh. And for, for, for that reason, we really don't know if there was more than three wise men or, or you know, or whatever. It just, uh, it could have been three, it could have been 30, who knows? Other traditions, like I said, tell us they were wise men. They, they, they're called magi in Scripture, and that word can mean uh, magi. Others say they were kings, and that's a beautiful picture of these, if they were kings, coming and bowing down before the king of kings. That would be a beautiful picture as well. And that probably comes as linked to Psalm 72, 11, which says, May all kings fall down before him. Other uh, scholars argue that these, these people were, these magi were astrologers or magicians who looked at the stars. They saw the one magnificent star in the sky and they decided to come and to find out what was going on there. They followed it. Tradition, some traditions tell us that they came on camels. We don't know. The scripture doesn't tell us that. Uh, we have so many traditions that are, that are attached to things that are not necessarily true. They could have ridden on camels, but they could have walked a long, long way. But this is the things we do know from Scripture. These are the things we do know. That some guys called Magi, whatever they were, and we don't know how many they were, they traveled a very long way through some very difficult terrain to do one thing. And that one thing was to worship. To worship the King. Now when we think of worship in our culture, and when we think of the word worship, what do we think about? 
We think about singing songs, don't we? We think of, of singing songs. And based upon your background, you know, I mean, some of you may have uh, grown up in a uh, traditional church and you had a thing called a hymnal. Now, if you didn't grow up in a church and didn't have a hymnal, you've never seen a hymnal. You don't know what a hymnal is. But let me just describe what a hymnal is for those of you who don't know. A hymnal is a book that kind of looks about the size of a Bible. It's about the same size. It's got hardback. And it's got a bunch of songs in there of one genre, basically. Both, most of them written in the 16th and 17th century, some in the 18th and 19th. And they have a, really, a lot of good songs in there. And the thing is, they're in verses, and they have verse numbers. And for some strange reason, I grew up in a church that did this, we always sing verse 1, 2, and 4, but never verse 3. I'm serious. I mean, it's, it's weird. Is, is there some, is 3 the bad verse or something? We don't sing. I mean, every traditional church I've ever been in, and, uh, you know, you sing. And I was even a, my first ministry position when I was in seminary, I was a, a part-time minister of music and, and youth. And, and so I would lead in this little country church, the hymns, and, and I'd always do verse one, two, and four, never three. I didn't know why. I thought it was something, you know, spiritual or something. I didn't know what it was. Uh, you know, some people, you know, had hymnals. Some people sing uh, like we do with uh, words on the screen. Uh, and we sing with words on the screen. Some people sing uh, quietly. Some people sing with their hands raised. Some people sing with their eyes closed. We have all kinds of ways of singing. But I want to share with you this morning that biblical worship is so much more than just singing. That's not what it's talking about here. They didn't come to sing to Jesus. They came to do something else because the Greek word in the New Testament is written in a, a language called Koine Greek, which is not the same as uh, contemp- or contemporary Greek, but there's a word there for worship, and the word is proskuneo. And proskuneo means to bow down or to kneel or to fall flat or to do reverence or to do adore or literally to worship. And it really has little to do with the body posture. Sometimes we think it's that has to do with the way our bodies are falling down. Now, the Magi traveled a long way to worship the child. They may have bowed down. They may have prostrated themselves before the king of kings. And that's, that's maybe part of their deal. But what was mostly important here is they came to worship him by saying, this child is so important that I'm going to travel this long and difficult journey to come and say, you're my king. And to, and to do it with their very lives, to, fo- to say the focus of my life is this child who's going to grow to be a man. And, and I'm guessing that most of us and most of you who have been through this Christmas season, if you're like most Americans, what you may have been doing is you've been very busy. You live very busy lives most of the time. But Christmas just piles it on. And you just have this really crazy, hectic schedule. We're busy doing all kinds of things. And so a lot of times we don't have, or don't take the time. I don't say we have the time because we all have the time to do exactly what we want to do. But sometimes we don't take the time to do the one thing that Christmas is really all about. And that's to offer a gift to Jesus Christ. And that is our worship. Our worship. So today what we're trying to do is we want to help you to refocus your life around in the next few minutes around three different opportunities to worship and we're going to use i want to share these three opportunities as we do them we're going to actually sing songs that's why the band is up on stage you know anxiously awaiting their next cue uh it's not quite there yet man just give me a second here but the thing is there's all kind of ways that we can worship so i want to talk with you this morning about three reasons to worship jesus this christmas the first reason is this we worship jesus for who he is We worship Jesus for who he is. The Bible tells us in Matthew 1 that Mary will give birth to a son and you will call him, his name Jesus, 
because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to the son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Well, many of us maybe look at that verse and go like, well, what's the big deal? Emmanuel, God with us. Because we've all grown up with that. We're going to sing a song in a minute about that. We don't understand the context into which uh, the Matthew was writing. Because in the first century when he wrote this, literally the people would look at him and go, there's no way that God is going to be with us. Because their experience of who God was was based upon their experience in the Old Testament and up to that time. For instance, they knew uh, of the story of Moses. And Moses at one time had said, God, I want to see your face. I want to see you. And God said, "There's no, this is kind of a translation of this, no way. He said, it's, it's too much for you to see me. So this is what I want you to do, Moses. I want you to kind of like, I want you to kind of hold your hands up to the side and look kind of to the side. And I'm going to come by, God says, I don't know how that works. And I'm going to come by and I'm just going to give you a glimpse of who I am. You can't look directly at me. That's how different I am from you. I mean, they knew that story. They also knew the story in Isaiah chapter 6 where Isaiah said he came into the presence of God and it says he had a vision of the Lord high and lifted up. And this is what he said. He said, when the Lord called out uh, to me, he said, Isaiah said, I am a man of unclean lips. Basically, I mean, I'm just unworthy to be in the same room with God. There's no way that God can come and be with us. And then in that day and age too, uh, the people that Matthew was writing to as well would have understood the whole concept of the temple. In the temple there, there was a place in the middle of the temple called the Holy of Holies. And in the Holy of Holies was a place that only one time a year that only one person, the high priest, could go into and enter because that's where they believed God literally dwelt there. And what they would do to prepare for him going, the high priest going into this room, which curtained around, nobody else could go in and nobody else could see it at any time at all, they would literally tie a rope to the, to the foot of the, of the high priest, just in case when he encountered God, he would encounter God and die. And that way they could drag him out. That's literally what they did. That's how different that they saw God to be. So when Matthew says to them, you know, says, you know, he'll be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. He's saying something totally different. So this morning what we want to do is we want to worship God for who he is. Well, what does the Bible say he is? Well, the Bible says in a lot of different ways that he's these things. He's the door through which we may enter into a relationship with God. He's called the door. He's also called the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. He's called the living bread and living water. It says if you are hungry and you thirst, then he will quench your thirst and and satiate your hunger. He is the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end of everything, it says. It also at the same time uses visuals saying he simultaneously is the line of Judah and the lamb of God. How do you be a lion and a lamb at the same time? But it says that's who Jesus, that is who God is. That's who Jesus is. He is Emmanuel. He's God with us. And that is something worth worshiping because the people long ago did not understand that at all. And it means so much more for our lives to have a God who wants to have a relationship with us and to dwell among us. This morning as we come to each point in the the message, we're going to sing a song together. You can remain seated. And what I want you to do is just join in and as, as different people in the band lead you in a song, you can sing along as well. But focus upon the message of the song this morning and let us worship God for who he is.
we not only worship Jesus for who he is, but we also want to worship Jesus for what he has done. In 2 Timothy, it says this, He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and he's brought life. What has Jesus done for you? I mean, sit right now and think about what did God, what has God done in your life for you? And that's one of the reasons we want to worship Him. If you can't think of anything right now that He's done for you, maybe, I just want to say this, maybe it's because you don't know Him. Because when you know Jesus Christ, you will recognize His work in your life. It may be small things, it may be big things. The problem is so often is many people have a head knowledge of God, but they don't have a heart knowledge of God. And the problem is, is you can know things about him. We talked about this last week and talking about keeping Christmas simple. We talked about coming to know God is not about knowing about him. It's about leaning into him. It's the image of sitting, putting our full weight upon Christ and trusting him that much. And so often we may miss the power of this message by about 18 inches, the, the distance between our head and our heart. Now, you might want to go to church and believe, and you might can go to church and believe in your head, but you've got to have a personal relationship. It's not about just knowing about Him. Now, because when we get to know Jesus, I just, I just know this from my own life, really know Him, we lean into Him, we, we trust, we put our full trust in Him, He begins a process of working in our life to change us. I mean, I know some of your stories, and God has done miraculous works in your life and in my life as well. And for some people, it seems like when God comes into their life, it happens very quickly. Praise God for that. But most of us, it takes a while. God begins to work in our life little bit by little bit. We give in to Him. We trust Him. Uh, but, and so sometimes that happens. But I want to let you know that God, I've seen God do this many times. When, when God comes into our life, He can take a hurting heart and He can heal more wounds than you can imagine. He can take a person who is angry and He can soften their hearts. He can take a person who is caught up in all kinds of sin and begin by giving them forgiveness. And that's what He wants to do for all of us. I mean, a couple of years ago, I know you do this sometimes when you go back. Uh, I don't know if any of you are traveling for Christmas, but our family and our, and our hometown is back on the East Coast in Roanoke, Virginia. And so we'll be taking off in a couple of days to travel there and, and get there. And, and every time I'm there, I always bump into people as I'm around town. People from my old school classes and stuff like that, you know, from back when I was in high school. And I remember a few years ago, I don't know, it was two or three years ago, it might have been longer than that. I was in, I was actually at McDonald's there in town getting some coffee. And I ran into this guy, he looks at me and he goes like, you're Billy. I was called Billy on the East Coast, by the way. Not Bill, okay, I've grown up now. Um, not really. Uh, and I'm going like, yeah. And you know, you ever had that in somebody, you know, have a, you look, they look familiar, but you're not really sure who they are? And he's going, told me who he was, and I'm going like, wow, I don't recognize him. He was the wildest, craziest, most insane guy in our class in high school. And his his whole countenance was different. He was a totally different person. I started talking to him. And I come to find out that a few years earlier, he accepted Christ. And God had begun to work in his life, and it changed him. See, that's what happens. God works in our lives when we know Him, when we have a relationship with Him, He begins to change us. He does things in our lives. So this morning what we want to do is we want to worship Him, not only for who He is, 
but also for what He has done. Not only do we worship Him for who He is and for what He has done, but a third way we worship Him is we worship Jesus for what He will do. What He will do. Now think about it a minute. The the Magi, they traveled many, many miles to a place there to worship a baby who had not done anything yet. He hadn't grown up to be Jesus Christ, the man. He had not died on a cross for their sins. They were doing what many of us today will be doing. Because many of us in our heads right now, or some of you are thinking, well, I would love to worship God and Jesus for what he is doing in my life right now, but I'm in the middle of a mess. And my life is a disaster right now, and I wish it would change. So you can worship in the same way the Magi worshipped him, and that is this. You could worship forward in faith, believing that God is a good God and he is going to work in your situation. It's worshiping for what he is going to be doing, but is not done yet. That's what you can worship Christ for. And what could Christ do? It says this in Scripture in Ephesians 3. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. For some of you, that might mean this. It might mean you're saying, well, my marriage is bad and I don't think it's ever going to get any better. Christ can make your marriage good and even more. For some of you who are upside down financially right now and don't know where to turn, He can get you right side up and even more. Whatever your circumstance, whatever your need, He can bring about positive change and even more. So we can worship Him forward in faith. And if He does what we... Pray about it. Ask Him to. Great. But if He doesn't, we know He's a good God because He says in His Word, for I have plans for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. We can always worship forward in faith because God is always faithful and He's always good. I want to conclude the message today before we close up and have our offering and a closing song, a couple closing songs, um, with a story. Um, I call it Keep the Fork. Keep the Fork. I don't know what kind of family you grew up in, but I grew up in a, a family uh, of my grandparents' generation. were very uh, down-to-earth, very frugal people. They didn't have a whole lot. My grandfather probably had one suit. My grandmom maybe had a couple of dresses. And, you know, and their house was pretty simple. They didn't have a whole lot of stuff. They live, compared to us, they live pretty, pretty frugally. We live extravagant lives today. They didn't have a one-car garage. They had no car garage. Uh, that's just the way they lived. And I remember when we would go over to Grandma's house and Grandpa's house for Christmas dinner. And we'd go there many, many, many years ago. They've been dead for many years. Both my grandparents on both sides have been dead for many years. Um, we'd go there. I remember that we'd often, it was a pretty big family, and especially on my, my dad's, dad's side of the family. We'd be lucky to have one fork and one spoon per person. I can remember times when my grandparents, I didn't know this till later on, my, my grandma would call my mom and say, hey, bring some extra forks. You're going like, you know, I mean, we live in a world where, I mean, how many forks do you have at your house now? You know, five for each person? We go to restaurants and you got, you know, I don't even know how to use all those forks, you know, and the spoons and stuff. We've got so many stuff now. But the thing is, is that we'd go there and we'd do that. And so we'd sit down at this long table and we'd have this meal. And, and then as we finished up 
the meal, grandma would come by and she would kind of lean in and she would, and she would say this, keep the fork, keep the fork. You know why she would say that? Because dinner was not over yet. The best was yet to come. She was sending you this grandma, this magic grandma message. You know, there's something better coming. You, you may have thought that the roast beef and the mashed potatoes smothered in gravy were great. But man, she has hot apple pie coming right out of the oven with this big giant dollop of ice cream on it that just melts all over. You're just getting, they're hungry right now thinking about it. She said, keep the fork because we don't have any more. You better hold on to it because the best is yet to come. Some of you right now, some of us, all of us right now need to worship Him for who He is. We need to worship Him for what He has done. And if we're struggling, we can worship Him for what He will do. And we need to hold on to that fork as the best we can. Because God is a faithful and a just God. So let's worship Him right now by singing a classic Christmas song done in a little bit different way called Joy to the World. So what is the one gift that Jesus desires that only you can give? Your worship. Your worship. And the answer is clearly worship. And, and so I'd say this. In view of who Christ is and what He has done and what He will do, this is what we need to say to Him. God, I will bring you a gift and I, I am that gift. That's the gift He wants. More than worshiping Him with a song, and even though that's important to do, that's not all He wants. Because it says in Romans 12, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship when we offer ourselves fully to God. God wants us to lean into Him, to place our trust in Him. So what's the one thing that Jesus wants from you that only you can give? It's your worship, but your worship is, is your life. This morning, as we close our services and we have our offering, and I ask our ushers to go ahead and get ready wherever they happen to be, and uh, just kind of hang out there a second. Uh, in your bulletin, there's a card that looks like this. It says welcome card on one side, and if you might want to pull those out and look at those a minute. I want to encourage you to do something this morning. We say at Great Oaks that one of the things we're here for is to help people take their next step with God. We talk about that all the time. And I don't know what your next step with God is, but I know you always, everybody has a next step. For some of you, it may be that this morning when we were talking about worshiping God for what He's done, you said I couldn't really think of them. And I said, you know, maybe it's because you don't know Him. You can know Him by simply asking Him to come into your heart and into your life. And if you'd like to talk with someone about that, we have two options this morning. Follow into service, we have some folks over in the prayer room. But also what we also have is on this card, if you'd like to put your name and some contact information and check the box, you know, about any of the things that are on there, we will contact you and have a follow-up time for one of our staff will uh, sit down and talk with you and about next steps you may want to take. For others, it may be just this whole area of that you're going through some tough times. You just need to have somebody pray with you. Let us know who that is as well. So fill these cards out right now as uh, our usher is going to come forward in just a moment. Come on forward, ushers, and uh, we'll take up our offering. And as we do that, um, you can place these in there uh, as well as your offering card. I'll remind you tomorrow night we'll be having a service. It'll be We, we decided to throw out all the stops this morning. Tomorrow night's going to be a very simple service of singing some songs together, uh, having communion together, and uh, just basically once again reminding ourselves of why, what Christmas is all about. 
And so we're just going to do that. So let's, let's just pray right now. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.